and welcome back to the New York Baseball Podcast. My name is Ari. I am staying alongside Noah. Noah, first of all, how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm very excited. We have a special guest today. We do indeed. We have WFAN late night host, Lori Rubinson. Lori, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So Noah, you want to get us started here? Yeah, so to start, obviously, Laurie, we know it's kind of been a very slow offseason. We've been waiting on a lot of players, but I'm just going to start with the Yankees. Um, what do you think about DJ LeMahieu? And like, do you think they're definitely going to get him? And do you think that how important do you think it is that the Yankees re-sign DJ? Um, I, I guess if, I would say 50-50, they're going to get him. So, meaning I do think that there still is, or maybe 51%, they're going to get him. I'd still say it's more likely than not, but the more time drags on, I think they allow for another player like the the Toronto Blue Jays to enter the picture, decide that, and, and I do think that the Mets and Blue Jays will probably be the two teams, one of those two teams is where George Springer goes. So assume that Springer goes to one team and let's say it is the Mets, then I think that leaves the other team wanting to improve and getting a little aggressive financially. And what we know with Brian Cashman is that if the Yankees really want somebody, the Yankees go out and get that person. And financially, if the Yankees wanted to match top dollar, DJ LeMahieu will be a Yankee, but Brian Cashman post the boss era has been pretty disciplined and there's the occasional time where they say you know they wanted a cc sabathia or they wanted a garrett cole they spend a ton and they get it done but right now my sense is that he's in a little bit of a discipline period so you know from everything we hear lemayhew you know, LeBay, wants about $100 million, five years, $100 million. That's what we're hearing rumors out there for. And that the Yankees are more in the camp of four years, 75 to 80. I'm guessing there's a number between those two but it de- that they can agree on. But it depends on how kind of set in his ways and disciplined Brian Cashman wants to be. Right. I, I agree with you on that. And even though my Mets probably don't need LeMahieu because of our abundance of infielders I feel like we have with McNeil, even though we lost Cano, that was honestly a blessing in disguise. But um, even though we really don't need LeMahieu, I just want him to spite the Yankees, honestly, because like the Yankees are one of the most annoying teams to me, at least being a Mets fan. And even though I don't think the Mets will get him, that would be pretty cool if they got him. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I hear you on that. See, I, I tend to be let. I, I think you are probably are a more common amongst Mets fans who have that, you know, I hate to say it, but it is the little brother mentality of, um, you know, and, and, you know, one of my first shows I ever did on WFAN, I talked about the schadenfreude theory of sports and the schadenfreude meaning you take pleasure in the pain or suffering of others. And I think that for Yankee fans, that team is clearly the Red Sox and there is a pleasure at, you know, is it, is it almost more fun to watch the Red Sox suffer than it is to see your team right. succeed? And for Mets fans, let's face it, um, for a lot of Mets fans, that's the Yankees. I'm personally not wired that way. It's less of my DNA that, you know, for me, I'm more, yeah, I just, I want to see, it, you know, I, I born and raised a Mets fan. I want to see the Mets succeed. So I'm a little bit less of, or not a little, I'm a lot less of, honestly, the teams I want to see have 
have major problems for me. I'm more focused on Atlanta. I'm more focused on Philadelphia. I'm more focused on Washington. You know, I'm more focused on the Marlins. I want to see those teams have problems because it helps my team. So I tend to see the world that way, but I realize I am not in the majority of Mets fans. Most Mets fans um, just take tons of pleasure at Yankee suffering. I am one of them. And we are talking to Lori Rubinson of WFAN. So uh, another point here. So obviously there's a lot going on in Mets free agency with Steve Cohen regime and the era of all of that. Um, we've been hearing a lot of uh, rumors that the Mets are going to go out and get those big fish out there. We've already seen James McCann be signed. And that honestly is probably a setting stone to put them in position to get bigger pieces. Lori, in your best estimate or your educated guess, or I don't know if you have like insights from um, news sources, do you, out of George Springer and uh, Trevor Bauer, do you think the Mets get one of them, both of them, or honestly, hopefully not, but none of them. And if they do get one of them, which one do you think they're going to get? Well, first of all, in terms of, so answer your question, my, my best guess would be that the Mets get one and one top big name free agent. And, you know, back to sort of that Yankee Met thing, I think for years, Mets fans have accused the Yankees of this attitude of entitlement and oh, you're trying to buy a winner and you want every player and you expect you're going to get everybody. And we're about 42 seconds into the Steve Cohen deep pocket owner era for the New York Mets. And suddenly all the rules, you know, all the things that Mets fans accuse Yankee fans of were, you know, 42 seconds in and they are all in to the entitlements. Like this offseason is going to be a big disaster if the Mets don't suddenly sign at least two of the top free agents. I, I hear Mets fans who are going to be disappointed in that, which frankly seems absurd to me. But so my take on it is, I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun if the Mets sound, signed both Bauer and Springer. It'd be awesome. Hey, that's great. But I think in terms of what's a fair expectation is, I think, I, I think it would be disappointing if the Mets come away from this free from this free agent period. And if we look at the top free agents and say that they were the top three guys, this free agent period to me, um, I, you know, to me very clearly, clearly in whatever order you want to put them, but Springer, Rail Muto and Bauer, those are the top three and to be successful. And I think for Steve Cohen, the new owners honeymoon period with Mets fans to continue, I think they have to sign one of those top three free agents and if they do that and then sign the complimentary other pieces to fill in holes of the team to me that's a successful off season I think one commonality for Yankees and Mets that'll be interesting is so let's say DJ LeMahieu goes back to the Yankees let's say the Mets sign George Springer my gut is unless the Mets want to you know really um, outspend I don't know why I just get a sense that Trevor Bauer is most likely, if I had to guess, going to the Angels. Oh, yeah. I just think he's a Southern California guy. And I, I think he's getting, I think he's, the Mets, I think, would be his second choice right now. If they want to spend more than the Angels, chance he can get them. But all things being equal, it wouldn't surprise me if he says, I'm from Southern California. 
I want to stay out here and hey, I'll go join the team with Mike Trout. And I think the Angels pitching situation is okay. so dire and desperate that if Trevor Bauer has attitude, has, has, uh, you know, um, analytics that say he wants to pitch every four days. He wants to do things differently. I think if you're the Angels, you, you're just saying, okay, fine. What, you know, tell me what you need because your pitching situation is so pathetic. So mm-hmm. that's if I had to guess where that's happening. But that, you know, so, so crystal ball time, you know, you had asked before, Noah, about how important DJ LeMahieu is to the Yankees. And, you know, it's hard. On the one hand, LeMahieu seems to offer the Yankees so many things that all the other players in a lot of ways don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he is, and his game seems to have thrived in a way in Yankee stadium. It's like perfect fit with player and team and situation in many ways. And for a lineup that we know other players get hurt, other play, you know, other players are three true outcomes, you know, home run, uh, you know, home run, walk, strikeout kinds of guys. Like, here's a guy that you can just build this lineup around in so many ways. So he's and and the position versatility of plus defense at multiple positions, all of that makes him extraordinarily valuable to the Yankees. The hard part is that the Yankees are a super talented yet flawed. You know, it's like the roster construction. In some ways, there's elements that don't make sense. They are. You know, they're too right-handed. You know, so DJ LeMay, who doesn't help them with that. You know, they are, he, he, as much as he's been reliable and he's been in the lineup, he's also, what, 32? And it worries you at a team that's, you know, got some pieces that you worry break down. You know, is that the right way to go? And so there's different things with the Yankees where, um, and, you know, and truthfully, while LeMahieu and his defense are fantastic, that means probably if you sign him, are you signing up for Glaber Torres at shortstop for the foreseeable future? And defensively, is that the right way to go versus as much as, you know, we talk about all kinds of things, but is a Francisco Lindor to the Yankees at some point, does that make a whole heck of a lot of sense? Slot him in at shortstop, move, you know, move Torres to second base and watch him be an all-star second baseman. And is that better use of dollars as great as LeMahieu is, is that a better use of dollars for the Yankees than a LeMahieu and a Torres at, at shortstop for the long term? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just think that I agree with what you're saying. Like DJ doesn't solve like, you know, every problem they have, but in terms of like the home run or bus, like output DJ definitely, um, solves that another question I had to ask was about Gary Sanchez I know that you know Yankee fans were disappointed with him we saw him get benched this postseason however it seems that the Yankees are committed to having him in 2021 so trying to like what you think about um the Yankees catching situation and do you think Gary Sanchez could possibly rebound this coming year I definitely think he'll rebound offensively because 2020 was a disaster and you just go back to 2019 and you looked at his 2019 numbers and offensively that, you know, Gary, Gary Sanchez. So I expect him to be, to be much better at the plate in 2019. I think the frustration for Yankee fans is you can 
sit him on one knee. You could have him, you know, uh, jump up in the air and, you know, pat his stomach and his head at the same time. You can try any defensive um, alignment, you know, uh, setup that you want. He's got a great throwing arm, but in terms of being a receiver of the baseball, I just don't, I don't think his defense is going to just, I don't, I think he is who he is at this point. I think he kind of is who he is and not to say he can't improve. You know, you look at what happened, the Mets signing James McCann right now, you referenced that or, you know, there's a guy who we thought he is who he is. And suddenly, I don't know, you know, what is it? Five, seven, seven years of his career. He's suddenly not who we thought he was. Mm -hmm. And he suddenly, he works with Jerry Naren as his catching coach with the White Sox he talks to Yasmani Grandal a little bit about pitch framing. And suddenly there's a guy who is now defensively seems much better, but the, not to, not to, you know, it's, it's easy to pile on Gary Sanchez and his defense. And that's a, that's a big bandwagon to get on. But the, the issue with Gary Sanchez, I know, I'm sure he works hard and works hard and works with his pitchers and is committed to his defense and all of that. But you don't hear, you know, some of the pitchers say nice things, but you don't hear pitchers rave about him. Mm-hmm. The thing was like the McCann always throughout his career, even if his pitch framing wasn't as well regarded, and that was something that really improved and he worked on that. You've heard through the years, though, pitchers really like to throw to the guy. And the way he calls the game and the way he works with James McCann with pitchers and that relationship and confidence building and all those sort of things. So, you know, for Gary Sanchez, I do think a rebound. I just think 2020, he can't be that bad. The, the talent can't just completely disappear. I don't think he can. I think it's mostly confidence and he can't be that bad. But one of the issues for the Yankees now is that if he's, if, if Garrett Cole doesn't want to, if your best pitcher does not want to throw to him and, you know, he's going to be, somebody else is going to be Garrett Cole's, um, you know, personal catcher, whether that's Kyle Higashiota you know, uh, or somebody else, it's, it's not going to be Gary Sanchez. And that's kind of an issue um, that, he, you know, what do you do when your best pitcher doesn't necessarily want to throw to him? He can't necessarily be your everyday catcher. Right. Yeah. And I, again, I agree with all of that. And uh, we don't want to keep you here too long, but to wrap things up, um, we just think that it's so cool that you were for the fan, like a radio station like that famous, um, especially with, with all like the names on there and you're one of them. That's amazing. So if you want to kind of tell our audience who are, obviously we have like a lot of young audience, if you want to tell them like how you got into um, maybe it was the major of journalism and how you got into sports broadcasting and, and broadcast journalism in your career at the fan. So my path is really different and not one that I can tell people, oh yeah, definitely do what I did. Uh, I, I think from an advice standpoint, if people want to do this, what's cool now is what you guys are doing. There is an opportunity to be heard, to find an audience and to create content. And that's the best thing you can do is to practice, create your own content, find ways to get it out there, talk to different people so that you then have this, you know, you've now got a, 
a bunch of podcasts that you can be sending out to different people and you can get opportunities because you're actually doing it as opposed to waiting for somebody to give you a break. Uh, and that's the best thing to do. In terms of me, I actually, I was a history major in college. I went to, I went and got an MBA uh, from Wharton. I worked in marketing and I, I just sort of had a different direction, but I always had this nagging feeling that this, that getting into sports broadcasting was something I wanted to do. And I had interned at a sports TV station at, in Providence, Rhode Island, where I went to college. I had done that during college. So I had some involvement in it and interest even from like being in college, but I had gone a different path and then just decided one day ESPN was doing this TV show called a reality show called Dream Job. And I went out for that, got cast for that, through that parlayed into an agent, started doing some radio work. Uh, honestly, I think with this, you have to be willing to, for, for a couple of years, I, you know, I was making really next to nothing. And so you have to be able to do, be willing to do a side gig where you're doing something else, consulting or whatever you want to do to make money. And you're doing this for the love of it. I, I worked on it at, with a co-host at WCTC in central Jersey. And I, and I adored it, had a ball doing it. Didn't make very much at all, but, uh, but you have to be willing to do that. And I had gotten introduced to Mark Chernoff at WFAN and I would send him tapes of my work from, you know, just uh, email him uh, from time to time. Not so much as to be annoying, but just like every six months, I would send him something and he was kind enough to send me feedback. He'd send me just notes on, hey, think about this or a little, hey, you're getting a little better or stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, so I kept that up and was persistent. And I think that's part of it. If you want to do it, you have to have a little chutzpah. You have to have a little bit of, if you get an introduction, don't be, you don't want to be annoying, but you have, you know, just, you, you keep sending stuff to somebody who's in a position to actually hire you. And eventually one, you know, then he emailed me and said, Hey, I haven't forgotten about you. Do you want to come on? It was about 14 and a half years ago. I think now is he said, do you want to come on and do an audition? It was Memorial day. And I think he thought I could not do that much damage on a Memorial day overnight from like three to six in the morning, something like that. And I did the show as nervous as heck, but, and I remember people like, certainly, um, you know, some of the folks who were long-term, you know, timers at the station um, were really kind to me and nice about it. And I, you know, got the opportunity and from there ended up, you know, getting some traction and getting my own show. So it's been a ball. I love doing it, but, but I definitely took a very circuitous different path. So I would not say do as I did. Well, oh, sorry, yeah, no. yeah, thank you, Lori Rubinson. That, that was some great advice, I'm sure. R and I will take that. I'm sure all of our listeners will take that advice. <laughs> just to make sure you get your name out there, be persistent. You know, just great stuff. R, you have any lasting uh, thoughts? Uh, no, but just Lori, that was a pleasure. And we look forward to hearing you more in the fans. And I'll, I'll try to call in a lot more. <laughs> all right. I, I look forward to it. Please call in both of you and enjoy. Uh, look forward to talking to you on the show. And we'll see. Uh, you know, Ari, I, I hope you get at least one, you know, for, as a holiday gift. I hope you get at least George Springer 
wrapped, oh. uh, you know, wrapped for you as a I would present. love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> thank but, uh, you, Lauren. Yeah. Uh, thank you so thank much. You <laughs> Take care. <laughs>